Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome to another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. I'm Neil McCready, Zach Berry with me as well. We'll get to uh, the wild and crazy and ever-changing world of recruiting amid COVID-19 in a moment. First, let me tell you about Dead Soxy. Uh, it's an incredibly strange time. Millions all over the world have been impacted by this unusual situation, and the Dead Soxy team has not been immune to it. Like the rest of the world, they are faced with some tough choices. And what they're doing, instead of following suits and cutting costs and jobs, is they're trying to think about things a little differently. They want to keep their team intact, paid, and employed. And they need your help to make it happen. So in the spirit of people helping people, they've decided to run a first-of-its-kind support sale. They've slashed their prices on their phenomenal product to $6, $9, $11 a pair. If you've never tried Dead Soxy, now's the time. Go to DeadSoxy.com. Start out with the $6 kind if you want. Get a, you, you can't buy a pair of uh, $6 uh, socks at the department store, and these are so much better than what you will get random cotton socks at the department store. They stay cool. They stay up. You will love them. They're fashionable. Try a couple of the $6 pairs. You'll be back for more. And by getting them today, you uh, help keep them going. They'd rather you have their discounted socks than for them to not be able to pay their team and for them to have to worry about margins and stuff at a time like this. So take advantage of the support sale and help the people at Dead Soxy. And your feet will thank you. You can trust me on that. DeadSoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Com. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and then he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Uh, no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. You can shop it around, or you can do what I've done, and that's hop into a Clark Ford uh, today. It's uh, 662-257-1900. Zach Barry, welcome into the show. I think we it's uh, it's fitting that we start with this. Obviously, obviously, Zach Evans knew exactly what he was doing when he decided to do it this way. He knew nobody was going to show up until August anyway. What's the rush? Well, I, I don't think it's been reported yet. Uh, I know that Mike Farrell and Woody Womack were working on a story. He actually went to China for a study abroad thing and found out what was going to happen and that's why he has just put the brakes on everything it's uh it's, it's remarkable really when you think about it how how he, he is we ridiculed zachary evans and in reality like i said the other day in a, in a mailbag it's his world and we're all living in it he, he knew exactly what was up you know there's no reason 
to move all of his stuff to Oxford or Knoxville or Athens or Gainesville or wherever in January because he knew he would have had to pack it all back up and move it back home in March. He said, screw that, man. I'm just going to hang here. This is just the, I mean, just living, breathing, playing chess, not checkers. I mean, this is working smart, not hard here for uh, for Mr. Zachary Evans. So, um We've been saying that your guess is as good as ours and where he's going to go, and boy, it has just escalated mighty quickly. Um, I, uh, I know that uh, I believe it was Adam Gorney and Mike Farrell did a fact or fiction about it, and um, man, I have no I mean, he can't go to Gainesville because it was pretty much, I think Ole Miss has or had moved on at the time. I Don't even ask me if we've talked to anyone about Zachary Evans right now, but uh, I think it was all, all signs pointed to Florida and uh, obviously was not able to make that official visit. So now who knows? Yeah. I don't know when he will be able to make a visit and in all seriousness for a minute, he was going to take a couple of visits in March, make a decision. I know Ole Miss felt good about it. I'm sure that Florida felt something about it. He can't take either one of those trips. Now the dead period has been extended through May the 31st. So it's June at the earliest before he can make trips. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little skeptical, at least about the first part of June in terms of a recruiting period. I, I don't think it's realistic. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what he's looking at. I mean, I, my guess is that maybe July, maybe as late as August, he's going to have to make a decision and at this point he might be sort of out of time he's got to pick a place to go and go well yeah he's he's gonna have to enroll somewhere he's got to show up for class uh whether he makes a trip or not and look he's been to oxford twice um i know the plan was that he was wanting to bring his mother with him to essentially sign off on if she liked old miss or not and then um there were some complications with travel some of the rumblings of COVID-19 and then all of a sudden it was, you know, obviously we're not going to Florida. So who knows, but if he wants to play college football and look, I'm not sure if he does, um, he's going to have to decide because we talked about this a little during our uh, pre-show. We both think that colleges are going to open back up. And if that's the case, he's going to have to pick one and and show up for, uh, for syllabus day. Yeah, I mean, good, good Lord willing, they do, and I think they will. I, I do. I, I, I'll be honest. My gut feeling is that they, uh, that Ole Miss is ahead of of the curve a little bit on this. I don't think summer schools classes are going to be open. I think those are going to be online only, virtually everywhere. But I do today think that colleges, the brick and mortar colleges, will will open in August. And now people get into okay, well, what does that mean for sports? I don't know. You know, we talked about this on the Oxford Exxon podcast. Uh, you and I can talk about it some if you'd like. My my gut feeling, based on just some conversations. Now look, maybe this thing peters out much earlier. Maybe there's some sort of a breakthrough in terms of a treatment, uh, in terms of a vaccine. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, we live in in crazy times, and and there are brilliant people all over the world working on this day and night, night and day, all day, every day. So. You know, good Lord willing, there's a breakthrough, and we look back and go, "Wow, man, we were really worried, and it all worked out." But that that that's that's hard to foresee today. If you made me guess today, and again, it's just a guess, it's a slightly educated guess, but it's a guess. Made me guess today, I would guess that 
programs can report around August 1st and the season will start three weeks late, roughly, which would give programs about seven weeks between report date and the first game, which is not ideal, but considering the alternative, you'd have to take it. That's my guess. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they play a regular schedule. I hope they report in July and they get a ramp up and then they have a traditional fall camp and they play 12 games and then championship games and bowl games. I hope that's what happens. Okay, I I do. So everybody thinks I'm being negative. I'm not. That's what I'm cheering for. But if you made me guess for what I think is going to happen, I think I'd go with a little bit more of a conservative prediction. It's going to put us awfully behind in uh, making our depth chart. For this season well you know i've told parham that i want the depth chart done in its entirety by june one i want i want it to be interactive i want it to be catchy um i want it to be accurate if there's more than three mistakes in it um i think he deserves to be executed not fired just eliminated uh, because those are inexcusable depth charts are important especially especially when the head coach on a teleconference says that they don't have a depth chart. We know that's not true. We know Lane Kiffin is staying up night and day working on a depth chart, and I just think we should mirror that effort. I do. Well, the good news is is that the 2020 schedule is not that bad in the first month and a half, so they'll be able to work the kinks out, right? <laughs> it, you know, in, in many ways, I mean, the season, it would make it where, and this is where I think, I, I told Chase off the air that I know the the you know the the guy out there that has no nuance that that there's no sarcasm that is a literalist that mm-hmm. that guy's going to lose his mind when the schedule is Ole Miss's final three games are Baylor probably either in Oxford or or Waco at this point um. Uh, whoever the second game is, where they're playing Southeast Missouri or whoever that is in, mm-hmm. in in early December instead of in September, and when Ole Miss finishes the season with Auburn at home, meaning that Auburn's game against Alabama is now week eight or week nine and not the last week of the season, when people go, well, that's just not the way it's supposed to be, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind at those people. I mean, it, it, I, I'm going to say, dude, you, you, you do not understand – if, if I'm right, and that's the way that it plays out, it will be so close to being a full cancellation that you have to take anything you get, right? I mean, that would be kind of fun to, I guess, experience a non-conference game at Vaught-Hemingway in late November when it's really cold. Yeah, I mean, just where it is, you know, the alternative is there is no game. Oh, I know tons of people that will crawl to the stadium for anything right now. Yeah, and then that's the other thing, and I've heard this from enough people now to believe that I'm on to something. The people that say, well, you know, you can play the college season as normal, just no crowds. I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that's going to go. I don't think that works. Optically, I don't think it works. I don't think people sign off on it. I don't think it happens. I, now, if you told me the NFL started on time and played without crowds for the first several weeks, or maybe even the whole season, I'd buy it. But 
the college season. You can't do that. You can't take student athletes who aren't getting paid, and I'll finish the thought here, who aren't getting paid, ask them to play a game where by proxy you say this game is not safe for your friends and family to attend and it's not safe for the student body that you represent to attend, but it's safe for you to attend. And when the guy goes back and goes, Neil, you know all those kids at Alabama, at Auburn, at Florida, at Georgia, at LSU are getting paid. I'm not going to argue that. You know all those kids at South Alabama and UAB and Middle Tennessee and ULM and Louisiana Tech and those type schools are not getting paid. So when you make them make the trip to Gainesville or whatnot and play and their families can't go and, and the student body can't go and things like that, you're, 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 you're the, the optic of that is, in my opinion, insurmountable. I don't, I just don't think that's overcomable. Even if you were to say, Hey, this is a special deal. This is one year. I, I still don't think you can do it. And I, and I'm told by a lot of people in intercollegiate athletics that I'm right. That's just one, it's, it's far too risky. And two, I just don't think that that's realistic and I don't think it would work or I don't think that it would be something that they're even considering at this point. I mean, I, I think what, what you were hinting at is, is, much more probable with just pushing everything back and honestly that would be good i mean those early games are just so brutally hot it wouldn't be the worst thing for uh for not only college football nfl but i mean high school football what well, you know these high school football seasons they have their week zero at the end of august it's just yeah and they're playing dangerous. On these, they're playing on these turf fields now that they've all installed and i understand that mm-hmm. it's just much easier to maintain a turf field but for those of you who have never been on a turf field in early August, when the sun has Ugh. baked that thing all day, it is it is a, it is a, a level of heat that is hard to imagine. And and yeah, it does in many ways. If look, and we're we're parting hairs here. There's a part of me that thinks if we could get the luck of all lucks, and I and I'm not confident here. But if you told me that the NBA was able to resume at some point in July and they finished their playoffs in late August, early September, and then went ahead next season and started around Christmas and started making that their season, and if you told me that college football backed up a few weeks permanently, I would say that was a win-win for everybody because, quite frankly, both of those things make more sense than the way that we do it now. But at this point, Anything that we get is better than the alternative from a sports standpoint, from from a, a player's standpoint. We certainly – I mean, let's take this at the high school level first and foremost because, you know, for every college player, there's, what, 30, 40, maybe, probably more than that, high school players that never play past high school. And the thought of high school kids losing their senior year is – that's heartbreaking. On a different level than, than than the college kids and on a completely different level than the NFL guys. That's the, the thought of, you know, the kid at, you know, Valley High School, wherever, who's, this was going to be his, their year. This was their class and this was the last time they'll all get to play together. Losing that year is, that's a heartbreaking scenario to even think about. It really is. It's, it's, and, and that's just more, should give people, I guess, more incentive to do the right thing and to shelter in place, stay home, be smart, 
you know, that kind of thing. And, and look, if it, if it takes that to get people to take this serious, where the thousands and thousands of people that are dying from this isn't going to do it, um, losing college football, I mean, you and I both know that'll probably uh, <laughs> that'll resonate with people a little bit more in the South. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I hear people, you know, I think they're kind of joking. People say, man, I don't know what I'd do with myself. And, and uh, I get it. It's such a it's such a part of our fabric in the way that that the NFL is such a part of the American fabric in the in the fall Sundays in the fall or the NFL and you know the Super Bowl and all the stuff I mean the NFL is is such a huge part of our for lack of a better word society you know and 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 uh, and then in this part in, in most parts of the country but certainly in the south college football is such a fabric of of culture people that you know i mean the grove is a perfect example there's there's thousands of people who go to games who come to oxford and go to the grove and stuff that don't care anything about the football game they're there because it's a it's a reunion it's it's where families get together it's where friends get together it's where classmates get together it's all of those things and the football's just a vehicle to make that happen and without the football those things don't happen and there's a lot of loss there that goes beyond the obvious, which is losing a season and losing the revenues and all of that stuff. And I mean, believe me, when people say to me, I don't know why you're talking about this, man, you're, you're talking about your own funeral. And I'm like, well, I get it. I, I mean, I completely understand, but my job as a journalist is to be as, as real and, and objective as I can. And, um, I'll freely admit that I am cheering hard, hard for a football season, hard, Desperately, want oh, absolutely! A, desperately want a football season for business purposes and for other reasons too. But for business purposes, primarily, I, I I need there to be a football season. But I would be lying to people who are listening to us or who subscribe to us if I told them that I thought there was no chance that football would get canceled. I think there is absolutely a chance that there is no football season. What would this? Um, I'm trying to look it up here. When's the last time there wasn't a college football season? I don't know. World War II? I, I would, I would, I would even think they played then, but I don't know. It would, that would be if I, if you told me to go back and look for the last time that there was no college football season, I'd go there. The last time that they did not have um, any college football at all. I mean, even in World War II, I would think there was some form of intercollegiate athletics. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. It was the Masters, or I think it was the Masters. Last time they didn't have the it Masters, was, it was Wimbledon. The last time they didn't have Wimbledon was World War Two. Okay, and now they've um, canceled the British Open too. You know? Oh, it was the uh, the Ryder Cup. Oh, was the last time was nine eleven, I believe, and then before that it was World War Two. Um, so looking on Wikipedia. And they have teams listed. Let's go. Undefeated teams, 1944. So there was a gap between... Or I guess this is just undefeated teams. I feel like they still played around World War II, but yeah, like they didn't have full rosters probably. 
All right, well, let's do this. Let's get talk some recruiting. Uh, get let's get on some topics that I know people are probably interested in. What did you make of the decision yesterday to go to extend the dead period through May thirty first, and how does that impact, if at all, what Ole Miss has been doing with the? <laughs> I made a joke on on the site, and some people did not take it very very kindly. I, I, they someone said they did not like the term "dead period" anymore. Can we call it anything but the dead period? And I made a comment. Okay, well we can call it. Hey, college coaches have learned how to use Skype and FaceTime, and it's and they're acting like they reinvented the wheel period. Uh, they're doing the cyber recruiting. They can still cyber recruit, right? They just can't. They just mm-hmm. can't have face to face contact. Right. So I've been. You know, basically doing what I can with the uh, which the chicks are now quarantine chicks. Um, they've been extremely active. They've been. Uh, I know that you talked to a recruit. I don't know if they're. I'm, I'm assuming they're using FaceTime or yeah, Zoom. Or he said something like that. He said they were using FaceTime. Okay, so they can obviously FaceTime with recruits. Uh, I know that. Uh, like Chris Partridge, do they have a to coordinate of, with the high school coach where that the recruit the, the the contact is because if it were in person recruiting like they were going to watch spring practices and stuff they would have to talk mm-hmm. to the kid with the coach present. So I think that's what they're they're treating it like a normal you know going out and recruit on the uh, you know on the road type. I think they're talking to coaches as well. So I don't know if they're talking at the same time. Maybe they're on the same call, but I know that they're still. FaceTiming with high school coaches as well, just to, you know, ask how, you know, hey, you know, how are y'all doing, blah, blah, blah. I think they're treating it like a normal recruiting trip where they would go to the school, meet with the coach in the hallway, go find the recruit, you know, whether they're in class or at practice or whatever, and then talking to them then. So I'm pretty sure, uh, I think Chris Partridge actually mentioned that in a tweet either this week or last week where he was still meeting with coaches as well. Um, so they're treating it like it's a normal recruiting cycle, just doing everything virtually. Uh, big news, by the way, breaking Florida. The Florabama has postponed its annual mullet toss. That's Ooh. that's a bad sign. It's going to hurt the business of the Waffle House right across the street. Yeah, it is, no doubt. Um, all right, so obviously people have said you know why are they not getting more commitments why are they not this why are they not that i don't i don't know that they're pressing for commitments right now i know that they were they were really planning to be very active in the spring they were planning on having a lot of official visits around spring football they were planning to do a lot with the uh, the grove bowl which was scheduled for two weeks from tomorrow um that's not going to happen so what uh you know, how do you sort of anticipate them making up for this lost time? Well, I I was talking to some people about how this was going to make things tough on somebody like Ole Miss, and it can affect other teams of similar stature, uh, program prowess, whatever, uh, network depth, all the metaphors and nicknames you want to call it. But um, we were talking before the show uh, you said that, that you think or that you might have heard or maybe some rumblings of they might just do away with the early signing period this cycle and just make it all in February again. I think that would level out the playing field a little bit. If they don't do that, I think it's going to make things really tough on Ole Miss because a lot of schools right now are not able to meet face-to-face. They're not able to host recruits. They're not able to you know have junior days, have camps 
to where they can weed out who they really want, push for commitments, accept a commitment, you know, submit committable offers and all that to where come October, November and into December, everybody is pushing for these top players and Ole Miss is going to be a little bit further down the uh, the totem pole there, if you will. So I think that would really make things tough on this staff. Um, not to say they can't get any top players, but uh, if there is one signing period and it's in February, I think that that's a huge, huge advantage for this staff to where if they can find some semblance of normalcy in the late summer, early September, October, uh, they would be able to get out, recruit, and um, do some damage that way. You know, I didn't even bring this up with you. This is you and I talked best case, worst case before we got on. In a worst case scenario where there is no camp season in June, where there is no high school season, do you are you signing are you signing twenty five players from from one year of classes or two? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. I, I think at this point it's going to be hard to really give an answer there because, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of roster attrition in today's sports world anyways, and a lot of that is coaches, especially new staffs, get in. They see who they like, who they don't like, and heck, the, we, we know that this staff has been They've been telling it like it is, with certainly with recruits. And if they have a roster and they have some folks on there that they don't feel can really contribute or do what they want to do, they might kind of, you know, hey, you might need to go find somewhere else to go, and then you have some more spots open up. I don't know if they're going to be able to really do that because they haven't had spring practice. They they haven't seen anyone on a practice field with their own eyes. All they've been able to do is, is film work. So I don't know if, if they're going to be able to really – have an accurate depiction in their head of how this team is going to look and who fits where. So I don't know if they're going to sign a full 25 or they're going to be really picky and try to get you know best available. Um, that's kind of how they were in the signing class with in, in 2019 or, or 2020, excuse me. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that in 2021 because, I mean, there's just so many unknowns right now. It's impossible to, to really kind of – map this out yeah i can never remember i guess because there's never has been one where a landscape is so full of question marks oh what if this what if that what if this what if that okay let's let's go back a minute and get away from the catastrophe and go to a more realistic thing mm-hmm. which is we get a season but we don't get a camp series we don't get a camp season i because I, I think the june camp season is in dire jeopardy i really do Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you told me today that they extend the dead period all the way through June 30th, I'd buy it. I wouldn't be remotely surprised. Um, if that happens, I know you could do some July recruiting, but by then the high schools are trying to get going. It, it just gets a little more problematic. Does does it turn the fall into a a much different scenario where you're bringing in guys, even though you don't really want to bring guys in for games on official visits and stuff you, where you almost have to? Yeah, I was going to say the hand is probably going to be forced there where if somebody wants to officially visit, and I mean, like I said, it's going to be hard to recruit against all these other schools that uh, are all trying to get the same people, you know, if they're still pushing for that early signing period. Yeah, you're going to have to just take official visits when you can get them. 
and just make the best of it. And look, with technology these days, with they're doing these virtual recruiting visits right now. I know that they can't physically be on campus and physically be in a weight room and in a meeting room and in a coach's office. There's ways around this right now with with FaceTime and, and virtual visits, and you know, kids can go online and they can do their research and see what a campus looks like. And I know that not, that's not the same thing, but yeah, it, it's it's going to if if it gets to that point where it's dead all the way through June, and then hey, if if some if a, if a top fifty you know offensive lineman or defensive tackle wants to come visit when you play Southeast Missouri, you're gonna have to take it. Well, yeah, because that Southeast Missouri game won't be until December, you know? <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's going on is is basketball recruiting. It's pretty active. There have been two guys leave the Ole Miss program officially. That's uh, Franco Miller and Carlos Curry, both in the transfer portal. Uh, by the way, both really nice kids. I, uh, I've talked to both of them numerous times. I wish both of them the absolute very best. It didn't work out on the floor, but that – it's not a reflection on their character. It just sometimes, man, it doesn't work out. And I hope that they both land someplace where they get a chance to play and, and uh, show their abilities. So at this point, let me, let me see. I haven't thought about the basketball roster in a little while. So that puts them at full, right? There's, there's no openings, no vacancies, but we anticipate at least two more guys leaving. Okay, so... Franco Miller, Carlos Curry. No, wait, there's one spot. There's one spot. So there's one. There's one because... spot available, and I anticipate two other guys are going to leave based on conversations that I have had, which will create a total of three openings. Okay, because Matthew Morrell gets one of those spots. Yeah, yeah. And then Brian Tyree leaves, but then Jarkel Joyner takes his. Yeah, Brian left. Jarkel took his spot. Let's say Franco left. And Morrell took his spot. Curry left, and to this point, no one has taken his spot. So there's one spot, right? And if two other guys leave, that one plus two, if you carry the one, is three. Three spots available. Okay, let me. Okay, I got the same thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So right now, uh, we. Hmm. The transfer portal is just absolutely jam packed right now. It's I think. nuts, isn't it? I mean, I get, I get, and I get the question. Um, Mob Rebel on on the side asked me on the on the mailbag, "Hey, who are some realistic guys?" and and I kind of took the easy way out, but it was a true answer, which was I don't really know. It's a whole bunch of guys, and I think in the last forty eight hours, a handful of those have st- started to emerge as a, a more legitimate candidate than others. There's one high school thing that's still out there. I don't really want to get into it because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. But it's out there that could potentially happen. But some other things outside have to happen. But you know, I don't. Do you do you anticipate them going out and, and doing three grad tra- transfers if they could get them? That feels like a big number to me. I think so. I I think the number. I say the number that I had heard that seemed seem to make the most sense is at the most two. I think they would like to get a guard who can score and then a physical presence for the interior, whether that's a forward or a center. Because you have a DMC coming back and then the much-anticipated debut of Sean Robinson and then K.J. Buffin returns. It's 
it's not the deepest front court, but you're not completely helpless there. I, I think that they're focusing right now. If I had to guess, I think the names to focus on Trey McGowan's the guard from Pitt. He put Ole Miss in his top eight. I'm not sure where they stand. I don't really know if anyone has a read there or not. Um, it obviously doesn't impact his decision. His younger brother is committed to Florida State, but they were not in his top eight. Um, the notable teams to watch there, there's three SEC teams in there, Auburn, Alabama, and Arkansas. And then uh, Seton Hall is out there and Xavier as well. I don't know if Nebraska's in it uh, or TCU. I think Kyle Sturdivant, the guard out of Southern Cal, is somebody to watch. He um, is transferring. Uh, unfortunately, his father passed away, and he's from Georgia. He played at Wheeler High School, uh, big-time powerhouse, and um, he's wanting to obviously be closer to home. Uh, so he's from Norcross, Georgia. Ole Miss has actually uh, recruited him, and they were in his top ten before he decided to, to be a Trojan. So I think he's somebody to keep an eye on. And then, Neil, I think you would agree with me here, two forwards to know – Tyrese Martin out of Rhode Island, he yeah. uh, put Ole Miss in his top five, I believe. Yeah. And then Dementio Vaughn from Ryder uh, played for uh, one Provine Posse, uh, Mr. David Sanders at Callaway. And he's got Ole Miss I in his final are... three with UConn and Georgia. Yes. And I, I, I've heard that I've heard that's a real name to keep an eye on. Makes a lot of sense. He's a uh, he's a wing who can really shoot it. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what this program needs. They, it's what they've lacked is that wing guy has a little length, has some size, who can knock shots down from the perimeter. They they uh, they've got to replace they, they got to replace Bree and Tyree. And I think between Morell and Joiner, that that's that's accomplishable. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. Brian's very good, and replacing Brian's going to be difficult. He carried that team a lot the last two seasons. But mm-hmm. but it's okay. They can they can. I think they can pull that off. But even if they pull that off, they need another shooter. That's been the problem, really. The last last year, especially, they just didn't have a third scorer. Oftentimes, they didn't have a second scorer, but they didn't have a third scorer. Yeah. And you've you've got to have. And I I think you know, assuming that the season goes on as as planned and all that stuff. Um, you know, I think C is going to take a step. Hadim C. I think Buffin's going to take a step. I think Henson's going to be a better player next year. I think the loss of an offseason for him was just brutal. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, th- I think it hurt his timing. I think it hurt everything. And I think there were times when it felt like Blake was trying to just do too much. And uh, and maybe he'll yeah. maybe he'll get out of that habit a little as he gets older and more mature and gets an offseason and stuff, hopefully. But even then, you need another guy. You need another guy who can knock shots down, who can who – can, um, impact games from the the three-point line and and that's what uh the kid from Ryder has been I mean he's shot like 38 percent from three yeah I was gonna say I've watched some film on him and just seeing from what other basketball analysts and scouts have said his career arc kind of reminds me of Terrence Davis just a super athletic guy who's gotten better uh his his jump shots gotten better as he as he got older playing at Ryder uh one scout said quote he can score inside and out he's a strong athletic wing who is a mfer he'll dunk on you at the rim and his shot has gotten much better um so he's 65 220 he averaged 15 and 6 nearly 7 rebounds a game 
this lot this past year. Um, yeah, he, he he's a he's an absolute freak uh, when he puts it on the floor. He can he can uh, throw it down on somebody if he wants to. So that I got I got some Terrence Davis vibes from him, um, just in terms of just being an athletic freak. Another name to watch, Neil, since you mentioned replacing the scoring from from Brian Tyree, uh, Carlick Jones from Radford. He's not big. I think they're wanting to get some size at the guard position. Um, they liked Matthew Morell. He's 6'3", 6'4". And then uh, Austin Crowley's a big guy. Carlick's only 6'1", but he averaged 20 points a game last year for Radford and uh, shot nearly 50% from the floor and 40% from deep. So he can really fill it up. And uh, Ole Miss has, has contacted him. He's, he's hearing from just about everybody. Louisville, UConn, Memphis, Maryland. Ohio State, Virginia Tech, West Virginia. So he's he's got some suitors out there. Yeah, there's there's options, and um, the risk of, of sounding uh, dramatic at this point. I'm just hoping for a season, cheering for a season. I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll never exactly. I'll never appreciate sports more than I think I will now, and I can't be alone in that. There's there's a lot of people out there that have to be thinking the same thing that. Okay, I, I I will be I'll be a little less picky about about it. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention um, when I was talking about him, Carly Jones, uh, and Dementio Vaughn are the only two that would be eligible immediately next season. Uh, Tyrese Martin would have to sit. Uh, start event would have to sit, and McGowan's would as well. Yeah, and I have a feel. I have a feeling they want to add two guys who can play right away. Yeah, I mean, and, and, really, well, and that really might wanna... be, and that might be a grad transfer and a and a high school kid. That might be a grad transfer, and I don't think they're going to go the JUCO route. I think they feel like they got burned there. Uh, that might be that might that's yeah. But with with the amount of with the amount of good players. And good players with Power Five experience in the transfer portal, you don't have to, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you there. Why would you, why would you accept a transfer who's got to sit? I mean, you don't. It's not like you have a ton of spots open. So yeah, I you think need somebody so. to get in, play, and leave. I think the only way you take a transfer who has to sit is if it's a, a different deal where it's a transfer who is is highly impactful. And then I'm going to say this, and I think this applies to both football and basketball. Because of this COVID thing and how many people's lives, when I say people, I don't mean necessarily the student athlete, I mean their families. How many people's lives have been uh, turned upside down either because of, of uh, the virus itself and or the economic impact of what's happened with the virus. There are people whose lives are completely different today than they were three weeks ago. And there are people whose lives three months from now will be completely different than what they are today. And those people, I think, are going to be granted a degree of grace by the NCAA that is unprecedented. And I think you're going to see far more movement preseason where guys are immediately eligible. I do, and I know people say, oh, my God, you're, you're talking about free agency. Yeah, I get it. I get that that, that it sounds like free agency, and I, I know what you mean. But I'm telling you – the NCAA through this so far has been very player friendly, and I have to believe that they're going to stay that way. Absolutely, and uh, it was 
people were, you know, making the joke like, oh, I can't believe the NCAA did the right thing for once with the um, the ruling on spring sport uh, waivers. But they're going to have to because they are so dependent on this quote-unquote free labor force that they have with college sports. I mean, I, I've... You, you probably saw this. It was a you know a month or so ago, but uh, I believe it was the Big Twelve lost six point six million dollars for canceling their their conference tournament for basketball. So the NCAA is going to have to work with conferences and Power Five and everything, and and athletic directors. They're going to have to figure out a way to make this work and to keep sports alive. And yeah, doing what's best for players like you said, quote-unquote, free agency. I mean, that's in their best interest, no doubt. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's what's going, I think that is what's going to happen in, in the scenario where kids go back to school and where at some point in the fall semester we resume fall sports. I think, I think kids that, that, are, that ask for and can document their, their situations having changed to a point where they need to be closer to home or, or whatever, I, I think that's going to be granted. I do. I, I think there's, there's going to be, a, in, in that scenario, there's going to be a lot of activity. And that's not cryptic. It's just what I'm hearing from coaches that they, they sort of expect there to be some, uh, some real movement. And, and um, that's why you know, a, lot of, a lot of these schools are trying to make sure they, they stay in contact with their student athletes right now. And, and check on them because for a lot of these kids that are out there, I mean, it's everywhere right now. You know what's going to happen in the fall is the, kind of the least of their concerns. Yeah, there, there there's some there's some big decisions that that are going to have to be made here in the next couple months because it's already April, and uh, I mean the the huge money maker is just around the corner in September, and they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to make some decisions. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, all right, well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll stop there. We'll uh, we'll come back. I guess we'll try to come back sometime, maybe this time next week, and update you on on what we're hearing with the basketball recruiting, with football recruiting. Maybe there'll be a little more clarity by then. Uh, I, I frankly don't anticipate a lot of clarity from a schedule standpoint until around the first of June. I think that uh, you hear people in in college athletics talk about. 60 to 90 days to evaluate things and, and that that's talking june 1 to june 15 somewhere in there they've got to start making some some calls but until then i think there's going to be a, a lot of guessing and for those people that don't like guessing this is not going to be a fun time for people who who enjoy or who uh, don't mind the drama of 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 all sorts of scenarios this is at least it's entertaining. So for Zach Barry, I'm Neil McCready. Again, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. They've got socks as low as $6 in their support sale as they try just to keep their team intact. And they're asking you to help them by buying their socks at rates that uh, they're typically just never available at. So go to deadsoxy.com and check them out. For Zach, I'm Neil. Until next time, take care.